hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today I am delighted because I get to share with you a longtime friend, a guy that I like to talk shop with, a guy that I nerd out with, and we talk about all kinds of marketing topics together one-on-one, and it's about time we shared that with the world. And so that's what we're doing today. Uh, but my guest is Brendan Bannister. We first met when he was the CMO and creative director of William Painter, where he oversaw 13x growth, 1,500% growth on uh, website visitors and lots of other cool stuff. So we'll unpack that, talk about that. Lots of lessons there. He is now the CEO and founder of Natura Labs. So we'll talk more about that and what they've got going on there. Pretty exciting stuff. And hey, we're going to talk growth. We're going to talk top of funnel growth. We're going to talk about um, creative, data-driven marketing. We're going to talk about uh, CRO and other fun stuff as well. So with that, Brendan, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for coming on. I'm doing good, man. It's been a, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It has been a long time coming, and, and what I want to do first, so lots to unpack. Talk about William Painter's success, the YouTube, the Facebook success, all that was awesome there. We're going to talk about you know, uh, CRO and some of the data-driven stuff you're doing now. But for those watching the video, they're probably looking and saying, dang, Brand, uh, Brennan has got like an amazing background. So it's a cityscape. You got these big windows behind you. Uh, you got the, the microphone, like everything looks good. You can tell you're a photographer because you've, you've like, you've positioned everything perfectly. But where are you in the world? I'm in Dubai, and uh, well, it's not flashing anymore, but it war- was flashing, or it is flashing now. It's the uh, Burj Khalifa out there. <laughs> and that is—is is that the tallest building in the world, or second, yep. or something? You know, it's the—it's uh, the tallest building in the world for now. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Dubai—that is a place I've never visited. Uh, heard lots of good things. Uh, you know, my buddy Nick Shackelford has done some events there. I almost went. But you know, halfway around the world, you're a, a California guy, and so when 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 you and I met and hung out, it was in San Diego with the William Painter crew. But but why why Dubai? Why did you end up landing there? That's a it's an interesting question that doesn't necessarily have an easy answer. But long story short, my <laughs> business partner partner and uh, one of my best friends was already living out here. He relocated out here for another e-commerce brand that uh, you know he was working with. And sometimes life just calls you in a direction. It called me out here. And I came out here and it's been mind blowing to say the least. It's, it's like probably, I think the center of innovation in the world right now. And, um, it's a great place to be for like marketing life and just to be around the future of everything in my opinion. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. I've heard stories and talked to a couple other buddies that were like there for an event and they're like FaceTiming me and showing me the hotel and the surrounding areas. It's a beautiful city. It seems to be a very clean city. And just lots of really successful people from all over the world are, are hanging in Dubai, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the cleanest city I've ever been to. There's no trash at all. So that's that's really nice. And yeah, like the the level of success here that's is... That's basically like uh, downtown San Diego, downtown LA. No trash. It, yeah, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. love San Diego, but I was staying in an Airbnb, speaking at an event, and I walked down this road, like it was by Petco Park, and lots of it's beautiful, but I walked down the street and I was like... It smells like urine and pot, and there's a lot of trash here, right? So it's like it's part partially beautiful and partially just like, come on, man! Like, 
somebody's got to clean this place up. Anyway, so yeah, none of that. That's a whole other story. Awesome. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's another podcast yeah. for sure, for sure. Uh, so that that's awesome, man. Well, uh, really excited to dive in. Love what you guys are doing now with Natura Labs, and we're going to talk about CRO and data-driven marketing and some of that fun stuff. Uh, but I want to unpack the success that you had at William Painter uh, first, because such an awesome story, such a great product. Love the guys at William Painter, and and so you were you were there. You were the CMO, the creative director when William Painter really blew up. And also a quick shout out to Raindrop and, uh, and our boy uh, Jacques Spitzer and, and the crew, they, they played an instrumental role in some of the creatives there. But um, you know, really, you guys, you guys exploded. So, so kind of walk us through, what, what's that story? How did that unfold? Give us a few of the highlights and then we'll, we'll dive into some lessons there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cut it down because I guess that was like back in the glory days of, of YouTube. Some might say yeah, the glory days it was the, hero, the hero video days. Um, but yeah, long story short, um, you know, that was back in the day when uh, uh, Dollar Shave Club and Dr. Squatch was kind of pioneering the YouTube hero video scene. And these agencies were just starting to pop up around. And uh, we got connected with Raindrop Agency down in San Diego and um, produced that first hero video. And... After quite a long time of studying YouTube, you know, watching some of the courses that you, you taught, you, you put it on YouTube and it just popped. It just worked. And it scaled aggressively, very fast, almost uncontrollably to amount to, to a period where it was pretty scary to see the level of scale that you would unlock in a matter of one yeah. to two weeks. I'm talking campaigns going from 2000 a day to upwards of $100,000 a day, like in a week. Uh, right, so that right. Was it was interesting. And, Those were the glory days for sure. Yeah, yeah. It kind of paved the way to like, okay, this is working. You know, let's produce more hero videos, and we ended up producing you know several full full top of funnel hero videos along with uh, multiple Thanksgiving sales, Black Friday sales, Christmas sales, and and so on and so forth. Yeah, I love it. And, and you know, a lot of the world has changed because that was remind me what was that twenty nineteen? Yeah, two thousand nineteen when we did the first 19. one, and I think we made some in two thousand nineteen and two thousand twenty as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot has changed in the world, obviously, right? Pandemic, yeah, yeah. supply yeah. chain issues, inflation, all kinds of stuff, just kind of throwing a wrench in everything. So it's a different world and, and increased competition in iOS 14 and, and all, all that. But a lot of some of the same principles still apply, right? Yeah, Is it absolutely. as easy to scale today as it was then? Probably not, but it's still doable with the right uh, scenarios. But but let's let's talk about kind of what was your role in that process? So 13x growth, 1500% growth in online shoppers, like just just amazing growth. What what, what was your role and, and what part did you play in that? Yeah, um, I'm sure a lot of people know that you know have not massive e-commerce brands, but you know smaller teams. Everyone wears a lot of hats and plays a lot of role. Yeah, yeah. But I you was gotta do whatever's necessary. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So I was um, pretty involved on kind of like the the creative direction side of things. Um, I did a lot, you know, big collabor collaborative process on writing the scripts. You know, uh, James Trader and I, who who was in the in the videos for William Painter and also for Doctor Squatch. You know, we worked um, really closely in, in writing those scripts, um, and then kind of like coming up with you know stories to be funny, different types of. Um, you know, backgrounds and, you know, opening scenes, hooks, you know, the, the hook is the biggest one, you know, breaking sunglasses, you know, jumping through uh, banners and things like that just to grab attention. And then also like really trying to learn how to add in uh, direct response marketing. So, you know, presenting a problem and then giving the solution and walking the, walking the viewer like through it in a creative, funny, like non-invasive way. Um, yeah. And then I was, you know, running the Google ads. So I was, I was behind, behind the scenes, you know, putting the, finding the audiences, running all the YouTube campaigns, you know, doing search and shopping and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome, and that's it's a really unique skill set, by the way. And I'm sure people that are listening, uh, th- those that have been in the game for a while or tried to hire someone to run marketing or, or run marketing themselves, they know like it's pretty rare to find someone that has both the creative skill set, like you can really dive in and help write scripts and help come up with concepts and kind of guide things and direct things, and to be the one in the background building campaigns. Yeah. You know, setting bids, setting that account structure and really managing the the media portion and kind of that, that strategy portion. Um, yeah, so so how, did you, how did you balance both? It's super interesting. Uh, I just love it. I love solving yeah. problems. And it's, yeah. it's a different type of creativity, you know. So being a photographer for the last decade or so and then coming to like the creative direction side of things, you know, you know art direction, things like that. But then also creatively solving problems to, uh, you know, be funny or to direct the actors on screen or to kind of come up with unique ways to market towards people. One of the really cool things that we did is we built a whole full-fledged funnel using these YouTube videos. So we would remarket product page viewers with content that we created specifically for people that were on the product page viewers. So for example, one of the scripts would start off, you know, they'd already come to our website, looked at a product, right? And then we'd retarget them and the video would say, hey, we noticed you were checking out our sunglasses. You look really good and you should go back and check them out. And I think that was a pretty unique type of remarketing where we're literally talking to the customer um, and it converted incredibly well. And uh, that was like fun because, you know, creativity mixed with marketing, mixed with psychology, mixed with just, you know, being fun. Dude, it's it's what I love about the game, and it's it's what I've always loved about marketing because there's mm-hmm. there's some art and creativity and science and psychology and why do people respond the way they respond and kind of you get to to play in all of that and and craft a, a strategy a playbook to to kind of navigate and say hey how can we scale this brand and how can we attract the right people and and take them from interest to engagement to Hey, I'm willing to shell out, you know, 150 bucks for a pair of sunglasses, all yeah, sight exactly. unseen, all just with online marketing and a great web experience. And so, yeah, exactly. Um, You've talked a little awesome. bit about like demand generation versus demand creation. So that's yeah. also a really fun thing where you realize that there's a problem that you know maybe the the organization, the brand you're working with, doesn't have demand to capture, but it has to generate it and then capture it. So you have to create desire and then get them to purchase it, which is you know just another complex problem you have to solve creatively as well. Yeah, I love it. And, and, and I've kind of played on both sides, you know, because I've always loved Google search and, and shopping. And that's query based traffic, right? That's someone searching for a specific solution or a specific product. And so that's more demand capture, right? That's where you're saying, hey, I'm looking for this kind of car accessory, or I'm looking for this type of sunglasses. So you're capturing that demand. But in the case of something like William Painter, it's titanium sunglasses. They're basically indestructible. Uh, the original one has the the hook on it, right? The the the, yep. the little thing that's like a bottle opener, you know, mm-hmm. um, that allows you to pop bottles and look like a model. I still remember uh, the majority <laughs> of your script, by the way. The famous uh, part. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, no one's searching for that, right? I want titanium sunglasses that I can open a, a you know a can of beer with, like or a bottle of beer. Like, well, I didn't know that existed because I haven't seen it yet. So you've got to show that to me. And generate that demand, and then yes, I'm interested. And and so so yeah, the blending of those two is really fun. And I think you can. What, what I love about Google, the Google Ads ecosystem, is you can find both. Right there's there's going to be some opportunities, even before you go hard on YouTube. There's going to be some demand capture opportunities. But Absolutely, then yeah. if you can go big on YouTube and tell the story and say, hey, this is why you need titanium. Tim Ferriss likes it. All these other people like it. You can step on it. It's not going to break. And you can you know wow your friends by opening. Yeah, yeah, and well, then the demand that, capture that, gets a lot so more fun because it actually scales. That demand, and now you're in the money. What's that? 
I said it, it, the demand capture gets a lot more a lot more fun once you do that on YouTube because then you scale. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, you're 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 seeding that audience and, and getting them interested, and then you can close the deal through through your demand capture um, campaigns. And I also love that right the this idea because we see this a lot, and this is something I talk about with with prospects and when I'm speaking on stage is hey remarketing something we all do. Most people are bad at it. We're lazy at it. We create a one marketing remarketing campaign. We're running all the same creatives that we run in our other campaigns. That's better than nothing. But what if we segmented that a little bit and said, hey, you've been to a product detail page. You just haven't pulled the, the trigger yet. So let's talk to you like you've been there. You checked yeah. out the product. You maybe didn't like it. And if you can add some humor and some fun elements, you know, all the, all the better. So um, we actually met. Tell the story of how we met. I believe, I can't remember who reached out. But you guys had actually taken my my YouTube and Google Ads course that I did with with Smart Marketer. Yeah, and the then original I, was one, it not Ezra? the new one. The, the original one. How did, how did we meet after that? I don't even remember now. Uh, I think it was at one of the Blue Ribbon events, to be honest. It must have been one of the first ones. It might have been in Seattle. Uh, I think that might have been the first one I went to was in Seattle, but I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We, we connected and kind of sparked a friendship. Um, where yeah you, you you guys took the course and and ran with it and and you added to it and, and your your brilliance kind of came out in that and then we've we've just stayed in touch ever since kind of swapping ideas and, and talking yeah. shop so yeah so pretty pretty cool pretty cool um, awesome well what are some of the what are some of the takeaways from the William Painter days that you would say still apply today right so if we're looking at uh, and I like the delineation or the, the, the comparison you made there of, of demand generation versus demand capture. So what are some of the demand generation lessons that you learned through William Painter that still apply today? I know there are probably a few technical nuances that are different in a post-iOS 14.5 world, but what are some of the lessons that still apply? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question, actually. I think um, I'm a big person on branding. Like one of my, one of my biggest things is as being a, an artist creator is, is I think... Actually, one of my favorite quotes ever is design is hack. And I think that's true. And I think design goes into a magnitude of things. It's not just the product. It's not just the website. It's not just the creative. But it's all of them into one. And you know, I call it the visual spectrum. And that is every visual touch point of your brand from the way you message people on a social media or on your text message to your email to the colors you choose to the fonts to the type of creative, the iPhone creative, the professional creative, like all of that creative comes into brand. And I think that is a very, very, very important part because when you're trying to create demand, you have to present yourself as bigger than life and bigger than bigger than you actually are. That way people trust you. You know, especially in this day and age when you're scrolling on Instagram or on YouTube and there's hundreds and hundreds of companies and brands and products being shoved down your throat. You have to stand out above the rest and people have to trust you. And if you have that niche for design and you have attention to detail and make the creative stand out, whether it's high quality or funny or attention grabbing and the whole experience from, from point A to point Z is a smooth, cohesive brand experience the demand capture and demand demand generation just becomes a lot easier because people trust you and they trust your brand. Yeah, I, I love that so much, and, and I want I want to unpack that just a little bit. But but explain that explain that quote just a little bit to me. So design is hack. What what does that yeah. mean? So uh, just just as it sounds, like if if you're able to design something to a level that connects with people on a subconscious level, it makes everything easier, right? Like if I'm gonna sell you a pen and the pen looks clunky or it's an odd color, like I don't want that pen, but I want a sleek, 
black pen that feels good and it might be the same components might cost the same to produce it but if it's sleek and and you know the it looks good to the eye it's way easier to sell and i think yeah. just designing something and being having the attention to the detail is that hack that makes everything easier yeah i love it and and to give a couple of examples obviously we could we could look at you know the 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 examples that are always given. You know Nike can charge now. Mm. I, I I just bought my oddly enough I just bought my first pair of Jordans. I've always been a Michael Jordan fan. I just mm. bought my first pair, uh, but you can you can find some of the retro Jordans for like three to five hundred dollars. You can pay twenty five hundred dollars for some of these shoes online. So what's the difference between that and you know a thirty dollar pair of shoes you buy at Walmart? Well, it's it's brand right, and and yeah, the yeah. materials are better and stuff too, but. But are they, you know, a thousand times better? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure not. And so, so that's all brand, right? But um, one example, and I think this ties into both branding and design of the product. Uh, I kind of gotten into tea a little bit lately. Still drink more coffee, so I've not abandoned coffee in my americanos, and and I've done a few pour overs, although I just haven't like fully mastered that art. But I've got a fellow kettle, and this is a really sleek, elegant, long. A long neck um, kettle and I've it sits on it's beautiful beautifully designed <laughs> nice wood handle it's ergonomically correct and it looks amazing sitting on the, the counter it's got do you know do you know fellow have you seen have you seen this oh yeah i've seen their ads yeah, it's I've got been the, in their funnel, it's deep got in the their display funnel. where you can choose the exact temperature you want to heat your water up to so if you want green tea you can go in the 170s if you're looking at coffee you can go you know 205 210 whatever 2010 210 uh, 2000 degrees um, so you can heat it to whatever whatever you want and um, it's like three or four X the cost of it. Like I could get just a simple electric kettle for 20 bucks on Amazon or 30 bucks or whatever. This is 300 or 200. Um, and so what is that? It's, it's design, right? It's design, it's mm -hmm. branding. It is yes, functionally great too, but it looks great on the shelf. Right. And so that, that product design, that design element of your ads that builds the brand, yeah. the brand is, is uh, can't overstate it, right? And, and we do a lot on Amazon, help brands grow on Amazon, and brand is what can allow you to charge a premium on Amazon and protect your margins on Amazon where there's a lot of pressure to erode those margins. So love that. So, so design is hack. So awesome, less than awesome takeaway. Any, any other takeaways from kind of the William Painter days that would still apply today? Yeah, um, I would believe that the majority of brands are very similar in nature. Like the systems of the internal brand is the same, the way the emails operate, the way the text message operate, the way Shopify, Google, Facebook, Omnichannel, I think the internal systems are all 95% the same. And it's that 10, it's the 10, five or 10% of how you brand it really and connect those pieces together that the entire ecosystem works. And I found that, you know, over the years consulting for, you know, various different brands and seeing, you know, under the hoods of very different brands of their, their entire layout, you know, all the ads, the Shopify, the, the creative, all that stuff, you really see a lot of the similarities and you're like, okay, well, if all e-commerce is relatively similar, then we can build a system of equations that allows us to kind of plug and play into different organizations. And that's kind of what we know we'll lead into later. But it's, it's really interesting to see that the channels kind of talk to each other in the same way. And in essence, I believe that in a nutshell, an e-commerce brand is basically just an algorithm and it's a plug from a, from the, it starts at the ad level, goes up through the website and all the way to the purchase. And it, as long as you can make it all connect, it works. And it's kind of, yeah. it's very applicable across many different brands for a DTC. At yeah. Least. I love that. And, and, and kind of one thought that, that just sparked is, you know, that this idea that, Hey, everything has changed 
but everything is still the same, right? And I think this applies to, uh, maybe like, whoa, deep, philosophical, whatever. But if you look at platform, let's just take Google as an example. What's Google's mission? Google's mission is still to answer people's questions, to connect uh, advertiser with ideal buyer and make both happy, right? And, and you know, it's, it's organizing the world's information, sure, but it's, it's connecting things. It's just that the methods have changed, right? It's not just search. It's YouTube and the algorithm in YouTube that, that's really good at predicting what content do you want to consume next? And based on your behavior, what products would you like to see? And what products would you like to shop and see demonstration videos on or see ads on inside of YouTube or inside of Google? And so it's still a lot of the same thing, right? It's just, it's just the way we're guiding campaigns. Campaign structure is different. Yep. Yep. The way we bid is different, right? The way we used to bid on shopping and the way we bid, used to bid on YouTube, it's shifted some in recent years. The algorithm has gotten better. Um, in some ways, it's gotten worse, too, because of like, you know, lack of data, but, but, but the platforms are figuring that out. So it's like, I think you're right. 90% you know, whatever is the same. Those little nuances matter, and you got to figure those out. But at the core, it's still the same, right? And people yep. still buy for the same reasons they've always bought, right? They, they brand matters, and they want to solve a problem, and they want the benefits, and they want to see themselves in the product and all these things. It's just the tools and the methods we have to bring that to life are a little bit different, right? And so, yep. yeah, I love I love that perspective. Yeah. Um, I, I would really, say really it's, it's even just going as far as just getting more simple. Like, instead mm -hmm. of everything being so complex and, and guessing, it's really just about optimizing your brand, optimizing your shopping experience, decreasing friction, increasing quality creative, and A plus B equals C. It's not yeah, that complex, yeah. but. <laughs> I love it. It's one of my, I kind of I kind of set some intentions and talked about like, and we're recording this just kind of right after the new year, um, but, but setting my intentions for the year and kind of three words I'm gonna focus on. One is simplicity, uh, mm -hmm. one is intentionality, and, and one is consistency. Uh, but let's just talk about simplicity for a minute. Simplicity is not dumbing down. Simplicity is not being, you know, just, just uh, simplicity is, is about removing ambiguity, making things crystal clear. Mm -hmm. Because if if like a habit is not simple, we're not gonna keep it. If a, an ad, if the message isn't simple, consumers aren't gonna hold on to it and take action. If the, the message we share with our team isn't simple, no one's gonna embrace it, right? Like we, we've got to, we've got to uh, really, we got to embrace simplicity. And, yeah, yeah. and I totally agree and I think that's a big part of landing pages too, right? Not, not, I mean, you gotta have enough elements there to sell the product, but, but how can we simplify? How yeah. can we make things more clear? Yeah. Now um, we actually have, increasingly um, important. We, we have three principles in Ventura Labs and two of them, the first one, and it's kind of like our three principles to design and life and philosophy, blah, 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 blah. But the first principle is simplicity is the key to brilliance yeah. by Da Vinci. The second one is the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And we apply those to all design, all marketing, all theory we do. And it's really just about being more, being simple, being minimal, getting it, getting the point across without all the fluff and, and unnecessary jargon that we often add. Like we, we always add complexity because we think it's a complex problem, but it's really just a simple problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things too, where if you're trying to communicate something on a landing page or through a video, you want like instant understanding where someone reads it and they're like, oh, Cool. I totally get it. I get what this product is going to do for me. I get what you're trying to say. Rather than it's like, I read the headline. It's kind of interesting, but I don't really know what you're talking about. Maybe I'll read more. Maybe I won't. But you want like this instant understanding, um, which is super powerful. So yeah, definitely. Um, awesome. Let's let's. I want to get into CRO. I want to get into um, data driven marketing. Um, but let's talk about 
let's talk about R&D for a minute. So this is something mm -hmm. that you and I talk about a decent amount. I know this kind of passion of yours right now. But where does research and development fit into good marketing? And, and how are you at Natura Labs and, and you individually, how, how are you thinking about research and development? Another great question. So I think, uh, I think research and development is actually going to be the future of e-commerce. I think as media buyers kind of get phased out, we're going to focus more on uh, some building simple websites and being creative and ha adding the creativity into the, into the ads. But then what we're also going to have to do is either have a whole team of researchers or an independent organization such as ourselves that will identify problems and provide solutions for you. And one of the things we really focus on is being an independent, like external powerhouse that can work with brands that can spend time focusing on how to solve a problem, whether it's how to decrease our cost per acquisition or how to better sell a product or what product to design, rather than someone that's you know at the brand, you know, being busy all day focusing on putting out fires, you know, we're on the on the outside kind of like, okay, our number one job is to find a problem and not just find the problem, but you know, give you a solution. And I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, marketing, CPAs, creative, how to stand out, how to be different, how to you know, execute and iterate faster in the competition. Yeah, I really like that. I, I think the, you know, we, we talk about this a decent amount internally at OMG and lots of chatter on LinkedIn and Twitter amongst marketers that, hey, this this idea that media buying is dead, right? And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I, I would agree with that, like traditional where we're just creating a media plan, bidding up, bidding down, kind of that, that sort of thing. Nah, like that, you don't, you don't really need that. That alone isn't super valuable. Right, but like the strategic use of channels and the strategic combination of different campaign types. And I like to think about it uh, almost I like to use a football analogy, like an offensive coordinator. Right, so you're kind of yeah. you're calling the right plays. You're creating this team of campaigns and, and team of platforms to work together. You know, to get the ball in the end zone. And and you're you're reading the defense. You're watching how the defense responds to things. You're calling the next play. And and but but a lot of that is, is R and D, right? And so to continue on the football analogy, and my apologies if this isn't landing for for some people in the audience, who are like, yeah, hey, football. Who cares? <laughs> um, you know, the best offensive coordinators, the best quarterbacks, the best the best coaches, they are studying game film all the oh, time, yeah. right? Oh, film yeah. of their own team, film of their opponents. They're dissecting the data, they're researching, and, and then they're applying that. They're applying that in their game plan. They're not on the field anymore, right? And that's kind of the way to, like, like a good media buyer, a good strategist, they're not in doing some of the stuff anymore. They're, they're directing it and they're calling those plays. So, yeah. so what, are some of the, what are some of the elements of research and development that, that you guys are focused on or that, or that the, the marketer of the future needs to be focused on? Yeah, I think we're we're really focused on top of funnel acquisition because as you know, especially during the holidays, like CPMs are through the roof, CPCs through the roof, CPAs a lot of them through the roof with the you know all the competition. And I think our main focus is on landing pages because simplicity, right? Instead of sending someone to a product page that might not be optimized for that specific audience, you know, we're focusing on, okay, who is our target audience for this specific product or this specific offer? How can we build a unique customized shopping experience for this person that walks them through the entire point A to point Z in a nurtured way. I mean, imagine walking into Target, for example, or, you know, uh, yeah, Target's a great example, right? You walk into Target and you're like, 
where do I need to go? Where's my piece at, right? Instead of going through the entire store trying to figure out where that thing is you want to buy, you walk in the doors of Target, boom, it's right in front of you. You're like, oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't have to search for it. This is ex- I didn't know I needed right. this, but now I'm going to get this and that. And I think that's where the R&D comes in. It's like, you know, let's create a nurtured, unique shopping experience that you can also connect to the creative. So it can be a creative from an ad level all the way through the entire purchase level from point A to point Z is a unique experience, you know, made for that person to solve that person's problem or whatever it may be. I love that. Yeah, I often find myself, you know, I, I way prefer to shop online. If I do go to a physical store, which I do on, on occasion, I'm like, man, can I just search for something? Or like, there's a, is there a search bar? Or I always go like grab somebody and just ask because I don't yeah. want to, otherwise I'm wandering around the store like a moron and not, not finding what I need. But I love that. Curated experience designed exactly for that person so they get what they need and so that they convert. Uh, so I think it's a good transition. Let's, let's talk about CRO a little bit. So, so you guys at Natura Labs, you've got a really unique approach. You're building on landers, and, and they're, they're both beautiful and highly converting. So you've got to show me a lot of what you're doing. Very impressed. Um, what's your approach to CRO? And kind of yeah, what's your approach, and we'll talk about lessons we can pull from that. Yeah, so CRO is a pretty broad term. You know, you could have CRO it on the is, homepage. Huge, yeah. You could have CRO on, on uh, ad level. You can have CRO on the product page, collection page, stuff like that. Our main focus, and this is our third principle in Natura Labs, it's, it's a principle called Gauss Law. And in a nutshell, it basically states that a working complex system must evolve from a simple working system. You can't start with a complex system, right? So if we talk about you know, a brand, a website in the terms of a complex system, you have all these different products, all these different links and stuff. And it's very difficult, it's very complex, very confusing for someone with a, you know, a simple thought process to navigate. So our theory is, okay, well, let's build a landing page that is a simple landing page to solve a specific problem for a specific product, whatever that may be. And we build a modulized. So we have, you know, our, our intention is to build the entire landing page with multiple different offers that we can, that we have at the start, multiple different modules that we can swap in towards the middle and bottom of the page. But the goal is to build one simple system, one simple landing page that works. And if it's not working, because sometimes they don't work right when you launch them, you replace the header, boom, new header, new header, new header, new color. And you just change that starting piece until it starts to convert. And then as it starts to convert, you know, you keep doing, you know, CRO to have negative feedback and make iterations. And slowly over time, you start building a page that's more powerful and more powerful, more powerful, even by changing button colors, you know, placements, offers and things like that. Not that okay, so I got to ask, I want to well. dive into that a little bit more, but, but you've shared now two of your uh, principles or well, two that was all philosophies. Three. That was the third one. <laughs> uh, what, what, what were the? So I guess I guess simplicity is the key to brilliance. Mm. A working system, a working complex system must evolve from a simple system. What, what was the? What was the other one? I missed that. The second one is the shortest distance between two points is a straight oh. line. Of course, you did say that. Yeah. So it's simplicity, <laughs> you know, same, uh, same, same but different. Uh, that's awesome, man. I love that. I'm gonna. I'm writing these down. That, that's that's brilliant. And um, love those. Love those key principles. So. Yeah, you know, I think one one of the things, and you're right, CRO is broad. It's like, hey, what's your marketing philosophy? Well, that's a pretty big question. But, uh, you know, what we experience a lot, and I think what a lot of brands run into is maybe maybe your issue right now isn't traffic. Maybe your issue right now isn't your ads. Maybe your issue is your lander, right? The lander is not answering a specific question. It's not solving a specific problem. It's not talking about a specific product in, in the right way to that shopper and getting them to, to convert. Obviously it all works together, but a lot of times, you know, people are blaming the ad or the network that they're advertising on the platform, they're blaming Facebook, blaming Google, blaming YouTube, when really the lander just gotta get better. Um, oh yeah. 
So how are you how are you guys kind of analyzing? So you've got a client with a product, and, and if you can use a specific example, great. If not, no uh, talking generalities. But how are you going about? Okay, let's let's create a simple page for this. What are you, what are you trying to understand, and then what are you trying to distill? You know, in that page. Yeah. So it's it's there's so many different things, and it's it's really just about finding what works and that could be the design it could be the messaging it could be the creative and i mentioned earlier about how i think all all brands are an algorithm in a way so let's just say in this world that we're in this imaginary world we have a brand that has perfect creative and perfect messaging and the ads are converting really well we're driving lots of traffic to the website but the website's not converting and we're not getting these purchases but the ads are you know we got good metrics at the ad level and that's because we're taking a working algorithm and plugging into it an algorithm that's not optimized. You know, the website could be super complex. The messaging's not right on the website. The color's not right on the website. You know, so it's it's really about okay, well, how can we improve this website to make it convert better by changing the messaging or changing the offer or the colors make a big one. You know, we ran uh, a really basic research case study for a client and we changed the color of the review stars on the product page. We had three colors. We had the on-brand black versus gold versus silver. And just changing the gold stars uh, drove, you know, five thousand dollars of incremental revenue in one month, just on one page. We tested it. It was a one-page isolated test. Drove five thousand dollars of incremental revenue. And if you take that and extrapolate over the course of twelve months, you know, you've got an extra fifty, sixty grand of incremental revenue there. But the interesting thing is, all these ads convert on a metric called perceived conversion rate on the website, which is the algorithm guesses at what the conversion rate is going to be on based on the probability of that user converting. So if you can move that number up a slight incremental number by changing the product page colors, the button colors or anything, you're really making it easier for the ads to convert. And I don't think I think a lot of people are starting to figure that out in 2023, and I think 2023 is going to be the year of massive CRO at scale because they're like, "Oh, right, it's two. We got A ad level, B CRO level on the website or whatever the lander is." Yeah, it's so good. Now, I'm going to ask this question at the risk of leading people down the wrong path. Mm. And so I'm going to give a caveat and then I'm going to ask the question because I know it's a question that everyone right now is the asking in their, in their brain. <laughs> and that is, what color did you change it to? So it was gold. What color did you change the review stars to? So they were, uh, for this specific, this specific company, it's very male-dominated automotive industry. Um, the on-brand color was black. That was the color they used. And we actually saw that gold had a 39% increase in conversion rate on desktop. It wasn't uh, statistically significant on, on mobile. We didn't run the test for as long as we should have for various reasons, uh, but 39%, statistically significant on desktop, 39% increase in conversion rate for new users just for changing the stars to gold. That's awesome. So here, here's the lesson and the takeaway there. The lesson and the takeaway is not gold, right? Uh, not. <laughs> although it is in, in, a, in a sense. Yeah. The sense is you start testing things, you'll get gold. But it's not that gold is now the winner in terms of your, your star reviews and how you display them. The, the key is you got to test it, right? And the key is that these little things can make a big difference. We, uh, I, I just led a training with our, our leadership uh, at OMG on uh, Atomic Habits. And it's, it's a great book. If you've not read it, it's by James Clear. It talks about like these little changes, these small habits, these simple habits 
As you stack them, they compound. And one of the stories in the book, and I'll tell this in like 20 seconds, uh, was about the British cycling team. And the British cycling team for a long time, they were really terrible. They won like one Tour de France in 100 years. They were so bad that certain bike manufacturers didn't want to sell them bikes because they thought it would ruin their brand. They were like, hey, if people see your cyclists riding our bikes, they're not going to buy it. And um, so it was bad. This new coach comes along. And he talks about this principle of the aggregation of marginal gains. So the, the stacking or the adding up of small incremental improvements, right? So they start doing crazy things. Like they clean the tires with rubbing alcohol. And they test like 100 different suits to see what's got the least amount of drag. And they start testing pillows and mattresses for their racing team to see what leads to the best night's sleep. They start painting the inside of their trailers white so they can spot dust and get it out of there to keep the bikes clean. They start doing all these, these crazy little things and you start adding all, up all that together and you can see amazing results. They actually went on to, I don't remember the years now, but they won like five out of six Tour de France um, races and then they were like the pinnacle of the world, right? Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't just like a lot of times we look at, what's the one thing? What's the one thing I can do? Give me a silver, silver bullet here. And that usually doesn't exist, right? It, it, it is, you've got to test lots of little things, yeah. but you, you stack a lot of little wins on top of each other and you've got uh, amazing compounding results. Absolutely. There's no shiny object and there is no one answer. Yeah. Despite what people yeah. think. <laughs> exactly. We're all, we're all looking for it. We all want it. Uh, but it's not, it's not there. And um, the bad news, it, it means it's hard. The good news is it's hard and your competitors can't figure it out either, right? And so that's where uh, if you do, and, and I love this idea of brands are an algorithm, right? Where it's all, all these things working together. And if you can kind of figure out the algorithm and guide it, you know, you can, you can see big success. So well, I mean, uh, it, any, it any really other just... kind of general takeaways on, on CRO for brands and the way you guys approach it? Um. Yeah, I think it's what I've noticed um, over the last couple of years is that a lot of us marketers and creatives, especially, we get too attached to emotion and mm. brand. And I talk a lot about about brand, but one of the important things is in, in the digital age of building a digital brand that's dictated by algorithms that are out of our control is that we have to do something called uh, data driven creative direction or data driven yeah. branding. And Love that this. is that is coming up with ideas that we want to test, but not being opposed to the potential that our theorized idea might not work. And we can't have our emotion attached to a color that we think is on brand if the data is telling us to go for a different color. For example, the, the black looked better on this product page. It's more sleek. It's, it, it just totally. looks smooth. It fits, it's, it's more on brand. It fits exactly. the eye. Or, exactly. You know, it, it, it's exactly. more and, to and, the eye. Gold stands out a little bit more, but because it stands out a little bit more, it converts better. And we have to be okay with changing and being fluid in the way our brand evolves, you know, keeping some boundaries there, but being fluid with the way it evolves to work in the digital age, to take advantage of the algorithms. We have to work with algorithms, not against them. And that starts at every level, in my personal opinion. Yeah, it's so important. You know, I know uh, Gary Vee talks about you can't be romantic about certain mm -hmm. elements in your business, right? When the data changes, you need to change. And when yep. you see things that, when the, when the data is speaking, we should go in this direction, you need to go in that direction, right? And that doesn't mean you abandon your brand, right? You're, you're building this brand, you're building brand equity, that's important. But sometimes we, we begin to think as business owners, as marketers, as CMOs, whatever, we're like, no, 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 black is our color. Like if we ab abandon black in this one element of our page, 
we're eroding our brand. Our, our customers won't like it. Like we know our customers. We we know our brand. Yeah, well, you should probably test it. Um, yeah. And and so again, that doesn't mean like scrap your logo every other month or you know something crazy like that. Like stick to your brand. But you got to test things and being romantic about things that are not important to your customers is going to trip you up and and really limit your growth and eventually you know uh, potentially stifle your overall potential. So. Um, Exactly. Really good. Any, anything else you would unpack there on creative, data-driven marketing? Any, any other ways you would kind of describe that or unpack that? Because I, I love that. I love that term, and I love the concept. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, you know, as I've talked about, like, I think the creative is being more important as we, we move on. And we found this really, really cool software uh, called Motion. I think the website's usemotion.com. Shout out to them. They're actually a really cool organization, small, small team, but amazing. And they connect to your Facebook and they will give you full on reports. And I'm not endorsed by them for, for the record. They'll give you full on reports of all your creative in your Facebook account and your Google account. They're bringing on YouTube soon, I believe. And for example, if you, let's say you run ads for a month, right, on Facebook, and you see your top three create, uh, your top three performing videos, what you should do for the following month is take those top three videos, make some iterations on those videos that you think might convert better, and test those, and keep testing. So the idea is to, over time, test all of your creative, but test the best ones, make iterations on your best creative. So month one, you start with zero creatives. Month two, you have iteration one. By month six, you have six iterations of those creatives that are getting better every single month. And that is data-driven creative direction. And you can take that into applying new creatives. If, you know, say month four, month five, you say, wow, these are really working. Whatever this combination of you know, testimonial or hook is working, let's go make some new creative using this structure. And boom, that's data-driven creative direction right there. Yeah, I love it. And, and you're always looking for that combination of, you know, right message, which is a combination of hook, product demo, CTA, CTA, mm -hmm. and a few other elements too, uh, uh, audience, you know, and lander, right? And so yeah. like, hey, how, and how are we, how are we tweaking that? And it was, we're looking at the data, you know, maybe we're seeing, hey, the conversion rate's really high, but the engagement isn't as high as it could be, right? So let's test new hooks. Or mm -hmm. maybe the engagement's really high uh, and the click-through rate's good, but the conversion rate's not good. Let's test the landing page, right? So we're yeah, looking at the exactly. data. What is the data telling us? What story is the data telling us? And then let's let's iterate and, and yeah. make changes based yeah, on I, that. I do think, uh, think data is becoming a buzzword in 2022 slash 2023 because mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people throw it around. And... I think maybe there's not as many people that understand it because it does get pretty complex, but it's, it's, you know, basically just finding what's working, looking at that subset of what's working and making improvements on what's working to then guide your next decisions rather than just kind of guessing or using your emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad you mentioned that because yeah, the solution is not more data. We need more dashboards, more complex no. dashboards. We need every data point possible, right? That that's probably going to lead to inertia. That's going to you're going to get stuck in mm -hmm. the in the data, right? What are the important data points? What are those important data points telling us? And then how can we quickly iterate and test and change to improve? Yeah, that's all the matter. Yeah, you're action, exactly right. How you take action. You were talking about data, and that just means they're trying to get more of it, and they still don't know what they are seeing. You know, even with more yep. data. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, dude, this has been super fun. I'm all charged up now, actually. I love it when there are certain podcasts where I record it and I've got more energy at the end of the podcast than at the beginning of the podcast. That's always a good sign. We could go it for two hours. It was fun for me, at least. So hopefully people <laughs> listening enjoy it as well. But uh, Natura Labs. So, so talk about this just a little bit. If someone's listening and they're like, dude, I need to hang out with Brendan or maybe see if I can work with them or whatnot. What, what do you guys do? How can, and how can people learn more about you? 
Yeah, so um, we have two major things. We have one's called brand architecture, and that's kind of what it sounds like. We basically just help brands build more efficiently, you know, whether it's landing pages, whether it's CRO, whether it's, you know, website optimization. Um, and we just want to, you know, improve your throughput. And then we also, uh, you know, take, our, we have a fractional CMO program, fractional CEO CMO program, and it's, you know, basically just us, you know, looking at your brand, the whole, whole holistic view of the brand, not just the ads, not just the creative, but, you know, helping you uh, come up with products to develop or when you should release those products, you know, um, what the next step to growth is, because growth is not just ads, growth is, you know, multiple different things, websites, products, and, and offline, all, all those type of things. Um, and it's, you know, just... <laughs> just a, a laboratory where we get to experiment and come up with ideas and test them and research and, you know, uh, provide you with ideas to iterate on and to execute on. And our number one thing is identify problems, provide solutions, and increase your throughput. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And so it's naturalabs.io. Yep. And um, we will link to that in the show notes. We'll, we'll share it on social so people can find it. Uh, what about what about on the, the socials? Can people connect with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, other places, or with the company? How can people continue the conversation if they want to? Yeah, no, we're definitely on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn is my name, Brendan Bannister. And then you can also find Natura Labs on LinkedIn. And uh, Twitter, at Natura Labs, underscore I-O. And uh, we're going to be coming out with a lot of content. We kind of created the studio here and. We're going to be a content-driven research and development firm. So hopefully we're putting out a lot of really interesting, unique research um, stuff we're finding, you know, what's working, what's not working, uh, ideas, and just, uh, you know, overall place to just have an open dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think, hey, if you're in a spot where it makes sense, reach out to, to Brendan and start chatting with the team about what an engagement could look like. Yeah. At a minimum, you got to follow this guy and you got to pay attention to what they're doing and, and the content coming out of here I know is going to be fantastic. I've had the privilege, like I said, over the last several years uh, of kind of just chatting with Brennan on a regular basis and talk about what we're testing. And, and so as that some of that comes to, to light, you're going to learn a ton. And so pay attention to that, uh, to the, those, uh, to that content, to those videos. I will also tease this. This is maybe a little premature, but I'm going to throw it out there since we're on the topic. Um, we're redoing that course. So the, the, the smart Google traffic course is in like a full reboot right now, which is super exciting. And so, uh, that'll be released, uh, sometime this year. Um, okay. we're working, working with Ezra and team on that. So stay tuned. We'll keep you posted on the podcast and through other means, but we are, we are working on that as well, which will be, which will be really cool. So any, any closing thoughts, tools, recommendation, anything else you want to plug here before we sign off? Uh, no, I just want to say, you know, thanks a lot for having me on. This is a lot of fun. I, I appreciate it. It's been great over the years, you know, working together. I've been, uh, uh, we've been building Natural Labs for exactly a year now, and you've been a, a vital part in jumping on monthly and feeding back ideas, and I really appreciate that. And, like, I think our core principle at the individual level but also at the business level is build relationships, keep your reputation, and work with yes. unicorn brands and unicorn people. And you're a unicorn, yeah. Brett, and uh, I truly appreciate that. Dude, thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. And uh, awesome. Yeah, good good times. Really great content. Love seeing what you're doing. Love the growth. And excited to see how this thing unfolds. And yeah, and I'll see you in you. Dubai so. soon. <laughs> Dude, I got to get to Dubai. I guess yep. I got to I got to do it. I mean, it just seems like a lot of work to get there, but I, I got to check it out. I definitely do. So. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, man. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Awesome. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. 
would love to get that five-star review on iTunes if you think we deserved it. Um, and also, uh, I am getting more active on social media. I had a Twitter account, or do still do, but back in 2010, I was active or something like that. And then it took about a decade off, more than a decade, I don't know. Uh, but I'm active on it now. So, so check it out, at uh, Brett Curry on Twitter, LinkedIn, the Brett Curry. So I'd love to connect with you and continue this conversation on social media. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, that's a wrap. I'm going to hit pause. Hey, man, I thought that was great. I think you guys were great. That's fine. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.